0: Hello, and thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast from Prism Insurance Agency. As you know, we put in a ton of time and effort to make each of our shows as valuable as we can. If you find the information useful, please share this podcast with a friend by emailing it to them or sharing this on the social media site of your choice. Welcome to part two of our two-part series with Diane Bond. Was the Education and Training Services Manager at the Southeast Wisconsin Chapter of the Alzheimer's Association. Last week, if you missed it, you might want to go back and listen as Diane shared her wealth of knowledge in understanding what Alzheimer's is, the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia, some of the warning signs, and how you as a family can work together to get the proper treatment for someone in need. But today we're gonna somewhat switch gears and talk about some of the financial planning aspects that impact families as they seek treatment for someone who is suffering from Alzheimer's and all the planning options that are available and the resources that are available to help pay and provide the services that might be needed. Welcome back, Diane.
1: Thanks for having me again.
0: Hey, it's great to have you back on board. And there was so much information you gave us last week, and I know we got a ton of information to cover today. Because once you know you have a problem, then what planning steps should you as a family be taking to deal with this? And probably the biggest impact is financial. But before we get into that, anybody who wants to really get the answer to this question, go back and listen to all of last week's show. But the question I think we should start out with is, what's Alzheimer's disease and dementia? And maybe a quick summary of that. But again, if you really want to get into the details, listen to last week's show again. So Diane, what is Alzheimer's disease and dementia?
1: Alzheimer's disease is a progressive disease of the brain that affects all functions of the brain, not just memory. And dementia are symptoms that are caused by illnesses such as Alzheimer's disease. And dementia includes symptoms such as confusion, disorientation, memory loss, and behavior changes.
2: Diane, why is waiting for or anticipating a diagnosis too late?
1: Well time is a key factor in Alzheimer's disease. It moves ahead very slowly but it does move ahead. It is degenerative so an early diagnosis allows for taking advantage of treatments and involvement in planning. Since a diagnosis of Alzheimer's can't be predicted, putting off important steps just to wait and see what is going to happen can be a great drawback.
0: The next question we have, and we've talked about this a lot on past shows, is the importance of having these proper documents in place when it comes to financial power of attorney, healthcare power of attorney, and just other general things like deeds to the property, wills, or trusts. And what a lot of people don't realize is they put this off, put this off, put this off and you probably can describe better than anybody, once you have Alzheimer's or dementia, you might not be able to get these documents in place. So talk a little bit from your perspective how important it is to have these things in place as soon as possible.
1: Having all of the things that you've just mentioned in place is something that everyone should be doing, regardless if there's Alzheimer's disease in the family or not. These are such important documents to have in place For determining how the estate will be taken care of, what is going to happen with personal care, et cetera. And having the information up to date, organized, and in a safe location makes dealing with any financial challenge or crisis much easier. Also, the list should include medication as well as medical conditions. Those pieces of information are vital for family members to know where to locate them. Another important piece to know is if folks do not have a power of attorney for health care in place, in other words, an agent has not been designated to make health care decisions for the person with the disease, The decision-making process is then turned over to guardianship. And guardianship requires determining who, in the eyes of the legal system, is the person that is going to be best suited to make decisions for the person dealing with the disease. This can lead to family conflicts. This can lead to extreme costs from a legal perspective. So it is just another reason why it is so important to have all of these documents in place and up to date, and more importantly, checked on a regular basis to making sure that all of the information is correct.
0: Diane, I got some personal stories on this as well, and also some comments. I know here we're both in Wisconsin, and there are state-specific rules when it comes to these documents. So, for example, in doing Title 19 planning between spouses, to have a financial power of attorney that specifically provides for that is important. You may have a situation where one spouse needs the care, and if you don't have the ability to shift assets to the what's called the community spouse or the healthy spouse, it could leave a spouse destitute depending on the extent of those bills. The other thing is we have the Health Insurance Portability and Privacy Act, that's a nationwide law. I know here in Wisconsin, they really started enforcing whether or not you had up-to-date documents. And there was actually last summer, one of the attorneys we work with shared that there was a Supreme Court case where they declared a document null and void because it didn't have the proper HIPAA releases. Even though these documents were done in good faith, it was done prior to the fact of these new rules and regulations. So, So you talked about up-to-date, that's really important. Getting into the healthcare power of attorney, a lot of people think this just deals with life and death and pulling the plug. And we have a healthcare power of attorney right now that deals with the decisions, as you mentioned, with long-term care facilities and placement. I can speak from my own experience, my grandparents, as I mentioned in last week's show, my grandmother had Alzheimer's and my grandpa had these documents in place. And all of a sudden, my grandma had an event. She had congestive heart failure. She had a couple mini strokes, these TIAs. All of a sudden, the doctor said, hey, she needs to be in a nursing home. Well, she was transferred to the first nursing home that they could find that had beds available. And the care there was a situation where none of the family was happy with the level of care that grandma was getting. We felt they were maybe giving her more medications and she needed, that she just sleep all the time. And having a family member that's a doctor in pharmacy, she relayed the fact that they're just over-medicating grandma. So we decided that we wanted grandma to be moved. And my grandpa was powerless to do that. They did not want to release her unless he had a financial power of attorney or went through the court system to become guardian. So we became somewhat powerless and what we ended up doing then is we were ready to start a guardianship process unfortunately grandpa found the document so I can't emphasize enough how important it is number one that your documents are up to date and number two that you have the proper documents to keep control in the family with such important decisions.
1: That is such an important story to share thank you so much We get phone calls every day with families that are dealing with the exact same situations, And the frustration levels are high because no one knows where to find anything. This should be a top priority for anyone listening. As soon as you're finished listening, go and find your paperwork, get it in place, get it organized, make sure it's up to date, and have it in a safe location and let people know where it is. That's the other thing is a lot of times everything is well organized, but no one else other than the person who put the documents together knows where it is. And that is a real time eater and a very, very disruptive part of making sure that organization is in place.
2: Well, sometimes there's a perception all these documents are very private and confidential, but in the case of the healthcare power, it may not be such a bad idea to have a copy of that already in your medical records.
1: And if you do have one put together, it's encouraged that you get a copy to your doctor right away. If anyone listening has ever been in the hospital, you'll remember that you have been asked if you have your power of attorney for health care before you go into surgery. So there are prompts all over in terms of how to get a hold of it. And as mentioned, it is different in each state.
2: Of course, it's always a good idea to make sure that you're not completing that just before you're going into surgery. So proper planning prior to an event, of course, is the recommended approach. Diane, why should the financial situation be assessed so early in the disease?
1: This allows maximum time for planning and to be able to allow the person with the diagnosis to be actively involved in decisions. As I mentioned before, this is a progressive disease. Folks who are early in the disease are just fine in terms of being able to interact, make decisions, do things they've always done, but the disease moves ahead very slowly and these capabilities diminish. Making sure that involvement is possible early on in diagnosis, it's truly key. This also helps avoid stress. The symptoms of dementia I mentioned earlier, confusion, disorientation, memory loss, and behavior changes are all made worse by stress. So keeping stress levels low and maximizing capabilities is one of the most important keys here.
2: Let's continue talking about some of the financial planning issues, but we're going to take a short break. So when we come back, let's talk about the benefit of long-term financial planning. So please stay tuned.
3: This copyrighted program and its contents is given with the understanding that neither the hosts, guests, nor station render legal, medical, accounting, tax, or other professional advice. The information and opinions expressed here are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendation for any individual situation or security. For specific assistance, you should seek the services of a competent professional. To learn about a specific investment option, ask your Real Wealth Advisor for a prospectus. Please read the prospectus carefully about the fees, expenses, and risks before investing. Real wealth advisors offer security and investment advisory services through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, and registered investment advisor, PO Box 64284, St. Paul, Minnesota 55164. Real Wealth Advisors and Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated are not affiliated entities. This is Real Wealth Weekly on the Real Wealth Advisor Network. Conversation with your child is like putting money in the bank. For example, every time you ask your child, So, how was your day? You've just added to your conversation trust account. And when you say to your child, Good job, son, you get double deposits. And the more you ask, the more you put away. And it's good advice to <clears throat> Excuse me. And it's good advice to have. To... Stop that! And it's good advice to have little chats with your child as often as you can. Thank you. Because someday, when they're teenagers, it may pay off big dividends.
1: Dad, can I ask you something?
3: Give your family
0: everything. Give them your time.
1: Thanks, Dad. I think you're right.
2: Welcome back as we continue our Part 2 discussion with Diane Bond. Part 1, you can tune in in last week's show, we were talking about just the general information about Alzheimer's disease and the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia and the 10 signs to watch out for. This week, we're focusing more on the financial planning impact of the family. Before the break, we had covered lots of wonderful subjects. So at this point, let's kind of dive in a little bit deeper, Diane, if we could. What is the benefit of a long-term financial plan?
1: It helps to avoid stress. And it allows for more time to focus on the present, which is key for the person who has been diagnosed and their family. So things to be looking for is to consider income from employment, retirement plans, savings and assets, reverse mortgages, long-term care insurance, federal and state tax credits, and deductions.
0: I can talk from personal experience, again, the importance of having these things in order and anticipating what would be involved. And one thing I think that's important, you talk about involving the family. I'm going to speak from the situation with my mom. My mom had a situation where she had aggressive cancer. It wasn't necessarily Alzheimer's, so things happened fairly quickly. But when you talk about Alzheimer's, a disease that could last years, and understanding where the caregiver setting is going to be, is it going to be in the home? Is it going to involve family members? You talk about things like long-term care insurance. What are the financial resources that we're going to have to deal? with these issues. All too often, people think financial planning and long-term care planning is just buying insurance, but it's so much more than that because the family themselves are probably not going to be equipped financially and time-wise to be able to deal with all the issues of caregiving, but insurance itself isn't going to provide all the answers, too. It's kind of, as you talked about last week's show, you talked about collaborative effort, When it comes to caregiving for an Alzheimer's patient and dealing with the financial aspects of it, it's a collaborative effort. It's personal resources. It's the time of the family. It's possibly insurance to help fill in those gaps. But too often, people say, it's not going to happen to me. I don't want to go to a nursing home, and they just kind of ignore the issue. But today, as we talked about earlier, caregiving is being done in the home. It's alternative facilities, the assisted living facilities. It doesn't necessarily mean nursing home today.
1: Right. And I think, again, you bring up wonderful points for people to keep in mind, but also focusing in on the fact that your knowledge of all of these things is vital to, again, things being lower stress, As things occur and also making sure that everyone is knowledgeable. This is a team effort and includes the family, friends, includes the physician because the physician is also the one who might say, I think it's time for long-term care. It includes the financial planner. So important to bring your financial planner in as soon as possible to be able to evaluate what's going on, make recommendations, give insights. No one has to go it alone. the key is to reach out and find out how you can connect so that you truly have a collaborative effort going on.
2: Hey, let's talk a little bit about community care support and kind of the difference between formal and informal.
1: Sure. Asking for help is hard, so taking that first step is sometimes the hardest part of the process. Informal options for care include family and friends. There is a program called Lotsa Helping Hands, and it's a free private group calendar to help coordinate family and friends with providing assistance. It's a very nice tool. You can find more information about Lotsa Helping Hands on our website at www.alz.org. Also, some formal options are available through the Older Americans Act for those over 60. And that particular act authorizes funds for supportive services, such as transportation, adult daycare and legal services, nutrition services such as Meals on Wheels, Meals served at senior centers, Family caregiver support, information and assistance, counseling, support groups, caregiver training, respite services, and home adaptation. And they also provide services regarding disease prevention and health promotion. So they have community education, health screenings, and immunizations. To find out more about what's in your area in terms of these options through the Older Americans Act, you can contact your local agency on aging. And you can find them at www.eldercare.gov. That's E-L-D-E-R-C-A-R-E dot gov.
0: Thank you for that, Diane. And I know another area where there's a lot of confusion is Medicare versus Medicaid. They kind of interchange that just like people interchange dementia and Alzheimer's as one and the same, but they are two distinctly different programs. And I know Medicare is very limited in what they provide, and people sometimes have a misunderstanding thinking that's going to take care of everything. Medicaid, you have to be eligible to qualify. Basically, that's for the indigent. It's a welfare program. And then there's also veterans benefits. And I know that's something that seems to change on a regular basis. We have a lot of veteran listeners out there that are probably pretty confused as to what they might be eligible for for help when it comes to the VA. Can you comment on those?
1: Sure. Medicare is age-based, although an individual who's been on Social Security disability for two years becomes eligible regardless of age. Medicare has three parts. It has Part A, which is hospital insurance, B, which is medical insurance, and C, which is prescription drug coverage. Now, Part A only covers a long-term care facility stay if it is deemed necessary for short-term rehab. So if somebody has fallen and broken their hip, there will be coverage through Medicare at a long-term care facility, but for rehab only. It isn't for long-term care. If a home health agency or hospice agency is Medicare certified, the cost is usually covered for some of these services. Services that Part A and B do not cover include long-term care, which is also called custodial care. So for somebody going in to a long-term care facility because of Alzheimer's disease and being unable to care for themselves at home anymore, this would not be covered by Medicare. Now, Medicaid is based on need and is state administered. It can cover long-term care, but not all long-term care facilities except Medicaid. And that's where doing your homework is so important, as you may be looking for a long-term care facility to find out if, indeed, services are covered by Medicaid. Some states do have coverage for home and community-based long-term care, and that will vary from state to state. I'm so glad I had a chance to talk about veterans' benefits today because many veterans do not think that they are eligible for veterans' benefits. Many have never checked into what is available and due to them, and these VA benefits can include things like medical benefits packages, health care insurance, service-connected disability income, a VA pension, a housebound benefit a death pension, and a burial and financial expenses benefit. And these benefits are offered to a broad group that not only includes veterans, but also their dependents, surviving family members, reservists, and the National Guard.
2: And, Diane, finally for today, how can those with younger onset Alzheimer's find support and benefits?
1: Many with younger onset Alzheimer's are still in the workforce and need to determine their long-term plan as well. Younger onset Alzheimer's disease usually occurs between the ages of 30 and 65, so it's affecting people at a completely different time of life than those who are over the age of 65. No employment decisions should be made without checking into the following. Short-term disability plan, long-term disability plan, long-term care coverage, 401k options, family medical leave, personal leave, and the employee assistance program. It's important while still working with Alzheimer's disease to keep communication open, to explore workplace accommodation options, to meet regularly, to review performance, and to plan the transition from working to no longer working. It's also important to explore applying for Social Security disability benefits as children and spouses may also be eligible. And those are some of the important things to pay attention to when dealing with younger onset Alzheimer's.
2: I'll tell you, Diane, this has just been a phenomenal amount of information. If you could sum up for us again and for our listeners some of the resources that the association makes available for the public.
1: We have a variety of information about the disease, about the symptoms of dementia, family caregiving, and brain health available through the Alzheimer's Association. There are chapters nationwide, and you can reach the one nearest you at 1-800-272-3900. You can also go online to www.alz.org and click on your state to find out your local chapter. The information that is available is overwhelming in terms of the amount that's out there. Please feel free to call us at any time with your questions and concerns, and we'll help you to navigate through.
2: Fantastic, and it's so wonderful to know that because this is impacting so many Americans that, of course, the research and study continues, correct?
1: It does. And there are a lot of people working on this worldwide to try and figure out what's going on with Alzheimer's disease. How do we put an end to it so that future generations are not burdened with this enormous challenge?
2: Diane, thank you so much for joining us today. And promise me, because you're a great resource, that if we can tap into your knowledge in the future, we can have you back.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. And definitely, I'll be happy to come back anytime.
0: Thanks for joining us this week and tune in again next week as we explore another phase of the real wealth process. And remember, if anything you heard in today's show you'd like to get more information about, contact your real wealth advisor. Also, if you feel that any of this information will be helpful to a friend or family member, just click the forward to a friend button.
3: This copyrighted program and its contents is given with the understanding that neither the hosts, guests, nor station render legal, medical, accounting, tax, or other professional advice. The information and opinions expressed here are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendation for any individual situation or security. For specific assistance, you should seek the services of a competent professional. To learn about a specific investment option, ask your Real Wealth Advisor for a prospectus. Please read the prospectus carefully about the fees, expenses, and risks before investing. Real Wealth Advisors offer security And investment advisory services through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, and registered investment advisor, PO Box 64284, St. Paul, Minnesota 55164. Real Wealth Advisors and Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated are not affiliated entities. This is Real Wealth Weekly on the Real Wealth Advisor Network.
1: Thank you so much for tuning in to this
0: week's podcast from Prism Insurance Agency. We've got additional information and links in our show notes which you can click on to learn more. If you have any questions about any of the topics covered or would like to learn more, you can go to our website, www.myprisminsurance.com. You can reach out to us on Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter. Call us at 951-243-2800 or email me directly at prob at The email is in the show notes as well. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in and have a wonderful week.